Welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. And today I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH. My man. How's it going, my friend? It's going well, dude. Good, good nice to be to with you. Talk with you. 20, 22 minutes of tech support. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get this party started. <laughs> we are also joined by fellow contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the two one six? What up? What up? How are you, gentlemen, doing? Happy summer, boys. <laughs> Likewise, my friend. Happy summer to you. Yeah, we'll have to put the uh, the twenty three minutes of tech support that that preceded this recording on our blooper reel oh, or something are on YouTube. Love that. They're gonna love to hear that. <laughs> so we are now one full week into fall camp and only twenty three days from the opener in Bloomington against Indiana. CP, you and I are both going to be there. We were just talking about. It. I'm fired up, man. I can't wait. Oh, Bloomington's five star, man. Good, good scene. Awesome. Great. I can't, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And of course, the three of us will meet up a few weeks later in South Bend for the Indiana or for, for the Notre Dame game. So I'm super excited about next month, man. Yeah, man. That's going to be, uh, fantastic it's exciting times exciting times yeah i i said uh, a couple pods ago that i i didn't see myself making two trips inside of a month from the west coast to indiana but uh you know i'm, I'm pretty pumped about <laughs> yeah. about these two trips <laughs> well, i was sitting on, uh, <laughs> i was sitting on the front porch at uh page's crib on locusts um a couple weeks ago and he's like yeah dude i'm gonna meet uh, z like and uh South Bend. I'm like, what? I'm like, That's sweet. I'm definitely going down. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Big shout out to my my coworker Ben Lampy, Notre Dame grad. He is Ben. He, all right. He is all gifting. Right, he is gifting Paige and I his tickets. So huge, uh, huge thanks That's to great. Ben. Good guy. <laughs> Do you, do you uh, think he'll have his season tickets revoked after he's his, his season? <laughs> no, well, it's we possible. will be we will behave ourselves, Paige. We will be gentlemanly. Yeah, we just just for Ben's sake. So, yeah. Um, all right, boys. We're adults we'll, now. We're adults now. Kind of, sorta. Kind of, sorta. Um, so, a couple topics I want to cover with you guys today. First, I want you both to weigh in on the addition of Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten. And how you expect the conference to operate with 18 teams starting next year? I mean, I have a lot of questions to answer there. And then I'd like to spend a little time on what we're hearing out of fall camp around some key position battles, namely quarterback, offensive tackle, and safety. And of course, we can leave time at the end uh, to touch on any other topics you guys want to discuss. So let's start with last week's bombshell that Washington and Oregon, who along with USC and UCLA, will be joining the Big Ten in 2024. PVH, I want to start with you. Your thoughts on the additions of the Huskies and Ducks to the Big Ten. Stupid. Who cares? Like, (laughs) it makes no sense. I mean, it only makes sense from a money perspective, but the whole thing is ludicrous at this point, right? Um, So... Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, 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 again, if you take money out of the equation, the whole thing is just—it's preposterous. You minus, and Chip Kelly actually had a good idea. Just as a football program, just be independent. Yeah. Right. Because we only think of it from the prism of the football lens, right? Right. And that's the only way that we really look at it. Um, and yeah, there's swimmers and wrestlers and baseball players and gymnasts, and we don't really give a shit about that. We should. I care a teeny bit, but 
the, the whole thing is just a money grab. Um, yeah. You know, I there was a great article in The Athletic about just the complete buffoonery and mismanagement of the Pac-12 and how they ended up in this position. Yes. They should have, you know, never been in this position. Um, but the one thing that I, you know, sort of, I texted you guys, it, the Pac-12 was dead the yeah. day Pete Carroll left USC and went to Seattle because that's the last time really a Pac-12 team has been relevant. I think Washington made the playoff once. They did. They did. Um, and Oregon. But, Oregon did as well. It was Ohio State beat them in the national championship game. But but I see your oh, point. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah that's a good point. Um, but they, you know, they haven't cashed a chip. They haven't won a national championship. And, you know, Pete Carroll made USC relevant and it made it relevant to the rest of the country. But really ever since then, in those couple of years when, you know, Oregon was was pretty good, nobody passed, right? Like, what, six o'clock on the East Coast is paying any attention to what's going on in the West Coast. And it's all about money. It's all about eyeballs. And so they're not going to get the media deals that the Big Ten and the SEC get. And so, you know, they completely screwed it up. And so... <sighs> I mean, literally to me, it's a nothing burger. It matters not. I think USC <laughs> and UCLA is kind of cool, but Oregon and and Washington, it's a gigantic meh to me. Wow, wow, you're you're well. I wouldn't say you're down on it, but you're you seem just kind of indifferent about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like yeah. I mean, <laughs> Rutgers and Maryland, meh. Like oh wow, you're you're people in, out. Wow, you're putting them in the Rutgers and Maryland category. I don't well, know if I, I could I, go that far. I, <laughs> yeah, but okay. All right. Maybe not that bad, but <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're going to be relevant. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, you, you made a good point earlier about, you know, maybe the other non-revenue sports should find a way to untether themselves from football. I mean, they need the revenue, right? There's no way they can exist without the revenue from football. But yeah, maybe schools, athletic departments need to start thinking about certain athletic departments, not all of them, certainly not an athletic department like Ohio State. I mean, the the, the Olympic non-revenue sports can certainly follow football and, you know, it's a very healthy functioning athletic department. But in other instances, yeah, it probably makes sense for football to operate in one conference and and the other non-revenue sports to operate a little bit more regionally, right? Anyways, that, that, that's not the point. I, I guess the point from a it's a football podcast, I, I it's it's a nothing burger to me. Like like literally, it's it's reached stupidity levels. You know, <laughs> um, Utah will be next, and like okay, fine, right? But well, Utah um, Utah is going off to the Big Twelve, so uh, they, they yeah, went... until they dissolve and in four years, <laughs> that's not even a conference. Yeah. Um, so CP. Let me get your take on this. What are your thoughts on Oregon and Washington joining the Big Ten? I mean, I like it. I mean, uh, you know, Oregon, the Ducks, like they're they're a national brand. I mean, they're not a, you know, Buckeyes or you know Alabama or Georgia, but they're they're a big they're a big time program. Yep. Um, Washington Huskies, they've got, uh, you know, that new coach out there, that new regime. I, I mean, I think it's like, I mean, all it is is like you're trying like. They're just trying to power grab and money grab, like Paige said. I mean, like, it's eventually you're gonna get like sucked up, you know. It's 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 something that's it's, it's inevitable, pretty much at the end of the day. I mean, I I really don't know how it's all gonna work. I mean, I think it's kind of like bananas that like, you know, you're gonna like fly, you know, what fifteen hundred miles for the volleyball team or you know like whatever like else. That's, yeah. 
involved in NCAA sports, but um, you know, no, that's a that's a very long bus ride for the volleyball team <laughs> to get. From, yes, it is, dude. Uh, for like fucking from water to polo Seattle shit, to uh, New Jersey for the Rutgers volleyball <laughs> game. Hey, like, hey, hey, but but at least at least they're going to keep their scholarships, Oregon and Washington athletes, right? and they're going to be able to compete in their sports because that shitty ass media rights deal that they put on the table last week, the Pac-12. I'm sorry, some of these schools would have had to cut certain sports. There's no way they could afford to operate with that crappy deal. I I saw some, um, I think it was Washington softball players complaining on Twitter about the, you know, the 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 realignment and what's that what is that going to mean for you know travel and other logistics and i and i feel for them but at the same time i'm like hey you get to keep your scholarship you get to continue to compete in your sport and this is going to prep you for the real world because if you've been out in the real world in the in the workforce for a while then you've been a part of a corporate you know a merger your company gets bought you're you get laid off uh you get a new boss you have to relocate because of a merger so i mean like this is just capitalism at work, uh, in my opinion, on many levels. Sorry, go ahead, CP. Oh no, man, I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm I'm listening. I mean, it's just all crazy. Like I'll tell you what, that uh, the president of Pac-12 probably will not have a job within the next like kind of, oh god before, before school starts. He's probably <laughs> they out there looking at uh, Indeed.com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or a consultant somewhere. Uh, the, boy, yeah, the leadership right. of the Pac-12. I mean, I, I, Paige, back to your point real quick. I, I agree with you about USC being, at the very least, kind of, uh, you know, when Pete Carroll left USC, it was kind of the first domino to fall for the Pac-12. Uh, you know, there was a ton of buzz around those Pete Carroll USC teams, right? A lot of national interest. It was must-see TV watching those those teams. So I agree with you. At the very least, it was one of the first one or two dominoes to fall that's kind of led us to where we are today. And uh, CP, I'm with you though, man. I kind of like this. I, I, I like this. And, and I think I, I see all kinds of exciting possibilities here. Like, you know, you're adding four really respectable football programs, SC, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington. Clearly, SC right. and Oregon are the are the two best, uh, you know, the, the best of the four. But, I mean, I think what that's going to mean is better, more competitive conference football games that are going to be way more fun and inter- interesting to watch than, like, Ohio State beating the snot out of Rutgers, right? I mean... I, I said this on last week's uh, last weekend's pod. Like, what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch Michigan go to Bloomington in a half-empty stadium and beat the shit out of the Hoosiers, or would you rather see Michigan go to Husky Stadium and and play in a game that could go either way? Right, a packed Husky Stadium. They've got great fans. Um, so I do think that this will lend itself to a better on-the-field product because of the addition of these four teams. And I'm not going to argue your point, though, about, yes, absolutely, this is about eyeballs. It's about dollars. It was the networks, namely Fox, that that, dictated this move. But I'm an optimistic guy by nature, I guess. And and I'm with you, CP. I kind of like it. I, I seem to recall an Ohio State Oregon game that I was at with somebody in, in oh. Ohio Stadium. We actually, you could schedule that anyways, right? Yeah, that's true. So yeah. you know, every school has four games. They could schedule whoever they want. They choose to schedule Youngstown State, Kent State, and Western Kentucky. Right. Um, and so, you know, again, like Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana. I mean, Northwestern's going to be. I mean. 
they won't even have a team probably for the next <laughs> ever, right? I mean, that's just going to be over. Well, they'll um, certainly be able to afford it because all those programs are getting full shares. Uh, and Rutgers, uh, they ain't pulling their weight. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, they're, they're getting a lot of money, these member institutions. Sorry, go ahead, PBA. Which, which, and again, should be a separate pod. Then Ohio State should just go fucking independent. <laughs> Say, screw you guys, right? We're tired of the of the albatross of Rutgers and Northwestern and Indiana around our neck. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. If you want to talk about pure capitalism, the high state network, please. Big Ten Network, we'll see you later, Johnny. The, <laughs> Ohio State could certainly go independent. There's no question about it. Um, I guess there's power in numbers. They love, you know, Ohio State has always loved being a part of the Big Ten. They could have gone independent during the COVID season, right? And chose not to. And they chose, by, they chose to play by the Big Ten's really strict and stringent COVID rules and protocols. So the, it's a point of pride for Ohio State, uh, the leadership there, to be a part of the Big Ten. Uh, but I, you know, I see your point. They, we certainly could well, go independent I, if we wanted to. Yeah. And I'm just saying, okay, look down five years. You know, if again, this is all about eyeballs and money, how long before these big programs say, well, what are we doing here? Right. Could like, be. Yeah. I mean, know, this is. Yeah. This I mean, it was a couple of years ago where people we were talking about two super conferences. It was two or three. It, and that's clearly where we're headed now. The SEC and the Big Ten. And they have all the val- the valuable television properties now in both conferences, with the exception of, you know, Notre Dame is still out there. But they're they're that's about it. Everybody right. else is Notre either Dame with the Big Ten or the SEC. Like, fuck Notre Dame. <laughs> no, dude, I I totally disagree. Actually, I just got a ticker from the BDB. Heard it here first in uh, no 2023. Ohio State will be they're independent. On top shit, man. Yeah, they'll be independent by uh, 2028. That's, <laughs> ah. the, that's the new rumor. All right, all right, interesting. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, you, we're gonna hold you to that PBH. Ohio State independent by 2028. You see um, hey, uh, impending AD, doom with these super conferences. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so yeah. let's just, I think we have to address the reality of the situation, right? Whether, how, regardless of how we feel about it, the reality is next, starting next year, the Big Ten is expanding to 18 teams. So my question is, um, how are they going to operate in this new environment with 18 teams? I mean, they were about to, the Big Ten going into 2024, get rid of divisions. And just have the top two teams with the best overall records, you know, duke it out in the Big Ten title game. But I think you've got to go back to divisions with that many teams. And I, I, I don't know. Am I crazy to think that? What do you think? I, I have no earthly idea. Makes, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, once – and that that's kind of a little bit of an irony of the whole thing is that once they finally came to their senses and got rid of divisions, now they're going to bring in two teams, and now you're telling me they're going to go back to divisions? I, I, I mean, I want to break a chair. Like, it's, <laughs> like that's ridiculous. It's and the divisions were so bad. Yes. And 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 so you know, heavily slated to the East versus the West, or the Legends versus the Legions, or whatever that was. <laughs> if they have to go back to that, like, uh, I mean, that that would be awful. And uh, so no, I I I I'm assuming they're not going to do that, and they'll figure out a way to manage it. Wow. Um, okay. I'm glad I'm just not a scheduling coordinator for all that. Oh my God! Yeah, that's you couldn't pay. Yeah, you couldn't pay me enough. What what do you what do you think, CP? Do you think we should the Big Ten should reconsider divisions in 2024, or or are you okay with no divisions, even with 18 teams? 
No, I mean, I, I, I feel like there, there's going to have to be divisions. Yeah. I mean, like, what, what, if this isn't the wild, wild west. You just can't have 18 teams. You know what I mean? I, right. I, I feel like there's got to be some kind of, like, uniformity and, like, I mean, I can tell you what, they, they, <laughs> whoever's making the decisions behind it need to be a little bit, like, evaluate and, like, dig in deep a little bit than, than what they were, you know, this past time, the divisions. Yeah, um, I agree. Obviously, you've got a bunch of West Coast teams now, but then, you know, you've got Nebraska and then you've got, like, Maryland, you know, Penn State. So, there's going to be a lot of, like, like, how do you make that work? I think it's pretty simple. Uh, you, you you maintain East and West, and you move all the Pac-12 teams that just joined into the West, and you have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin, the other northern powers in the division or in the conference make up, the, they're the headliners, so to speak, in the North, or sorry, in the, in the East division. So you got East and West. And I think what you're going to see in most years is a replica of the Rose Bowl, but in the Big Ten title game. <laughs> USC, Ohio State, you know, I don't know Michigan, Oregon, uh, you know, Wisconsin, Washington. And you could even host the Big Ten title game in the actual Rose Bowl, the venue. That would be killer. I man. think that would Instead be pretty sweet. Indianapolis, that would be cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could alternate. I kind of like having Indy as as one of the two sites, but that this is what I said on the pod I recorded over the weekend. Like, you add the Rose Bowl as a, a venue on an alternating basis, and you just alternate every other year. But I think it's kind of cool that you can recreate. Uh, what was, you know, what we loved about the Pac-12, or certainly what I loved about the Pac-12, was that matchup that we ultimately had with them uh, in the Rose Bowl game. I mean, that's what we grew up watching, right? There's a lot of nostalgia yeah. there. Um, well, now you've you've shaved the top four teams off of the Pac-12 conference. They're coming to the Big Ten. You, you make a Big Ten West division with those four schools as the headliners, Big Ten East with the traditional Big Ten powers in the East, and then you fill them in with the remaining teams on either side. But the one thing I like about these divisions, it's what you could do now you couldn't do before, is you have competitive balance now, or some semblance of competitive balance between the two divisions that you couldn't really create before, right? Because, Paige, as you pointed out, all the power was concentrated in the East. I don't think that's going to be the case when you have the likes of USC and Oregon over in the West now. And, you know, Washington can get a little frisky in a given year. It could be good. They're going to be good this year with Michael Penix Jr. and and even UCLA for that matter, right? I mean, they have Chip Kelly. They're in, they're in L.A. They're in a fertile recruiting uh, ground. And maybe now their addition to the Big Ten might help recruiting and, and that sort of thing. I don't know, PBH, what do you think? Uh, the he's, main like, goal he's be downer. no the main <laughs> goal the main goal going forward after this year is getting as many teams as possible into the 12 team playoff yep so how that shakes out but that's your that's your goal post that's your that's your guiding light and so whatever you do as a conference, right? That's what you're trying to accomplish. What that looks like, I have no idea. And right. I, yeah, I mean, I, I see your point. Like, yeah, it'd be great. You know, there's a championship game in, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl. But I, I kind of disagree. Like, I, okay, yeah, Lincoln Riley's at USC. I don't. I, I would be surprised if he's there for the long term, right? Um, yeah. Oregon is. You know, they've not been the same. You know since you know chip kelly and the other guy i mean i does it it balances it out some but i don't think it completely balances it out with a high state michigan penn state you know in the east so but 
you know, yeah. whatever. Just figure out the way to get the most teams from the conference into the playoff going forward, and that's probably how they're going to try and manage it. I think that's probably what they're going to do. And, and it also seems obvious to me that you have to move now to a 10-conference game uh, scheduling format with two non-conference games. Because if you have this many teams, I think you have to play as many conference games as you can. So in my view, I think it's got to be 10 plus two non-conference. And I think you can you can go to that format because of the addition of these four quality teams from the Pac-12. I think you can go to that format if you're Ohio State without any worries that you know about strength of, strength of schedule for your playoff resume. I think the average Big Ten schedule for someone like Ohio State, for instance, where in this you know, this mythical divisions that I've created here of West and East, you, you got Ohio State playing Penn State, Michigan, um, and Wisconsin every year, and a crossover game with one of the four powers from the West, be it Oregon or USC. I mean, that's going to be plenty good on the strength of scheduling front, right, to for your playoff resume, I would think. Um so I don't know. What do you guys think? Would you want to see ten conference games and and you chuck one of those, you know, non-conference cream puffs, or do you want to see a nine, you know, nine game conference slate with three uh, three non-conferences? What do you think, CP? I feel like where college football, the direction it's heading, and the future that you know, is that you need to start scheduling as many, you know, like at least two, you know, two solid outside, like of the conference, you know, like an SEC school, um, maybe you throw in a, like a cream puff in there, but then, you know, you've got like 18 teams in this conference. So right. like, I mean, yeah. Know. So I, I personally think you've got to play 10 conference games and I think you do actually yeah. have to be careful about who you schedule in the non-conference because the big 10 conference is a lot tougher conference to win now. Um, I, I, I think there's, I don't think that's even debatable. I mean, you're adding USC and Oregon, never mind Washington and, and UCLA. If you're just adding USC and Oregon uh, to oh, that, no, Lincoln Riley too. I mean, that's that that's a whole nother. Yeah, like you know, it's not been relevant since Jim Carroll, but like they're way relevant now, man, because they're bringing in some big time fucking kids. Yeah, they got the best and... player in the country. I don't know. What do you think, Paige? Do you think? Ten games in this new world that we're entering in 2024. Or are you okay with the the nine three split when it comes to conference versus non conference? No, that probably makes sense. I mean, yeah. you know, and again, you're you're keeping the money in the conference, but yeah. Um, sorry for the Kent states of the world, right? They're not going to get their paydays, right? So what are what are the ramifications downstream to those schools? I don't know. Yeah, but, well, they'll have yeah, to find. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a new world. I, you know, and again, like I was, I was thinking about, you know, the strength of schedule, you know, and to Chad's point, he's like, yeah, look at Michigan's schedule. It's a joke. And I, the only school I think that has an easier road to the playoff is Georgia. Um, yeah. It's embarrassing, but yet they're still one and two, right? Like preseason polls. And I know preseason polls don't really matter, but like, where does objectivity come into play? Like strength of schedule, if there's only, you know, four teams that are going to get in for this year. And then what does that, that mean down the road? Right. I mean, yeah. So. Well, the 12, the 12 team playoff is, is going to be a different animal. And I believe the format is they take the six conference championships, conference champions, right? Um, the six highest rated conference champions and then six at large teams. I believe that's how it works. 
But uh, so now Notre Dame, like, see, there you go. They're Notre Dame. That's bullshit. Like, so they're going to be like, you know, well, this is the other thing. Like, they get in every year. It could be. Yeah. I mean, I would think so. And, you know, uh, but but what I was going to say was, um, you know, the Pac-12 now is eliminated. They were originally one of the six conferences that would have been considered here in this new format with with the 12 team format. So I, what I think Ohio State has effectively done is they've grabbed some playoff market share by taking the Pac-12's top four teams the whole the Pac-12 conference is gone. It, there's no way that you can ignore that USC, Oregon, Washington, and UCLA are now in the Big Ten. So I think they have to re- rethink how they're going to be distributing these playoff spots. And I also think that we're clearly headed to a 16-team playoff after the 2026 season. So the schedules for the 2024 and 2025 playoff, 12-team playoff, have already been set. But after that, uh, they'll have an opportunity to, you know, reevaluate the field. And I think we're clearly headed to 16 teams. And I also think that the SEC and Big Ten combined will get at least half of those slots. At least half. They should. And they, they should. Fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They should. Did you talk about uh, the Big 12? Uh, I didn't include the Big 12, but I mean, I think the Big 12 will get no, one. I'm just saying, I think that did Utah actually join the Big 12? Yes, they did, the, along okay. with Arizona and Arizona State. So that was also part of what okay. happened last week when Oregon and Washington joined the Big 10. Those three schools joined up with the with the Big 12. And then a week or, a week or so earlier than that, Colorado also went back to the Big 12. And that's why yeah. that's why the, that's that was good, the death blow to, to the Pac-12. It's a good vehicle for Utah, man. They'll, they'll probably be at the top of that conference every year. I, I would think so, but I can't imagine that conference getting any more any more than one. I mean, that this this new world that we're in, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have a lot of power, a lot of say in how things go from here on out. They're going to have a lot of influence over the the college football playoff. And you know, when you look at the schools that occupy both, you know, make up both conferences, I mean, I think you're going to have to have at least eight teams combined. Uh, from those two conferences, if you want to create a compelling playoff, I think. PVH, any other thoughts on on this new brave new world that we're heading into in 2024? Yeah, I, I think we did a good job. We uh, yeah. beat that horse to death. So. <laughs> How about you, CP? Anything you want to share as we as we look forward to 2024 about the new about the new Big Ten? What is that, a Guinness? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my. So I'll take that as a no, CP. You don't have anything else that you wanna you wanna share no, about I, the twenty like, twenty. I'm good. I, I'm I'm just excited to be on here. Like you know, the conference alignment. That's cool. I'm ready to like yeah start talking about like real football. Like what's happening on the field. Football. What a novelty like, that shit, is. Right. It makes me smile. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about what we're hearing out of fall camp. Ohio State's first full scrimmage is this coming weekend. I think it's Saturday. So we're gonna we're gonna know a lot more about how certain position battles are shaking out after that. Now, let's just talk briefly about the quarterbacks, guys. Now, my understanding is that McCord, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are still splitting first-team reps, but, you know, we're going to see after this weekend if there's going to be any separation, uh, you know, after that scrimmage. Now, my gut still says this is going to be a competition. I think Brown is going to push McCord, but gun to my head, I still think McCord probably wins it. Uh, CP, I want to start with you. Uh, what is your what is your gut telling you about this quarterback competition, and who do you like to win it? I I I really find it hard to believe that it's not Kyle McCord. I mean, he's been at the program for what? This it's is now three years. Year, yeah, going into three three years under year Ryan three. Day. Yeah, um, 
he's like he's got chemistry with Marvin Harrison Jr. Good point. They were high school um, teammates. Yeah, everything I've read, like most of the play. I mean, like not most, but like all the players like love him. Um, I mean, I guess like you know from what I've read as well, Devin Ball, Devin Brown's a you know he's a baller who can move his feet and. But you know, at the end of the day, I mean, here's what I don't want to happen. Okay, so. McCord gets the job, all right. Which I I, I think there's probably a ninety eight percent chance that he's going to get the job. Okay, wow, you're um, confident. Okay, I I think there's no chance in hell Brown's going to like start over McCord. Okay, but, whatever. Who knows? Crazier things have happened. But what I don't want to happen, Z, is that the fact that whoever comes out there, whether it's Brown or McCord, okay, and first couple games a little bit rusty and then i want like they're everybody's calling for mm-hmm. the other either or who didn't start to like you know get you know right like get some time right anyway, I, that's what i don't want i'm you with can, you whoever day who i would you know trust his opinion and like everything he's been seeing you know for the last whatever how many months and whatever years with mccord but you know like he like he made a decision like if he has one bad game like against like Youngstown State or whoever else like let's like, just everybody chill the fuck out you know like yep. breathe like this is there's no this need, is coming like, from the guy that complained about CJ Stroud for 18 months <laughs> no are, 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 you are aware of that right no, no I did not complain about CJ for 18 <laughs> months Dude, I, so I remember somebody now. wanting the mullet didn't settle, <laughs> you finally didn't like settle on CJ Stroud until about halfway through his second year as a starter well, you, you remember like, this, don't you, buddy? It's sack. No, I, I, I think I wanted. Yes, I'll, I'll like admit I wanted to see Quinn get an opportunity. Um, but you Quinn know what, Quinn, hey, your BFF. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if I had if if I had to endure one more text about Quinn, he's Ewers got no you. more Mollet. <laughs> is gone. So you can stick your. I don't want Ohio State fans. To get yeah. down on All Kyle McCord right dude. up your He's... cornhole, bro. Well, it's like, well, like we'll get into this because we're going to talk about like a, like a brief like, recruiting later. Like, I, like, I'm so tired of hearing about these fucking these Ohio State fans. Like you today, like when are we going to get a fucking de- like? Dude, we just got a five star fucking defensive line. We got a five star cornerback. We got like, I mean, like I, I like I don't know. Do, do you not read like what like we, we're getting players. We've lost a couple of players. Like, like we'll get into that. I'm we'll sorry. get into that. We'll get into recruiting. Okay, here, so your money is still you know on Kyle saying? McCord. You're very confident, but you yes. don't want to see a quarterback controversy two or three games into the season. No, I'm totally no. with you, CP. I I want the guy to, that wins it in camp to seize the job and leave no doubt that he's the man. Uh, how about you, PBH? I'll take the other side of the coin just to be an antagonist to Chad, and I would say, <laughs> hey, look, if you're McCord, you've been there for three years. If you're not good enough to have won the job by now, you're probably not good enough to be the quarterback at Ohio State. I mean, it's a different way to look at it. Well, I mean, he was um, sitting behind C.J. Stroud, the highest drafted quarterback in Ohio yeah. State history. Dane's, Dane's just mind-fucking everybody. Yeah. <laughs> he, very, he very well might be. He very well might be. And I couldn't – I mean, I have no earthly idea who – you know, could be, should be, will be the quarterback. None of us do. Even yeah. the guys that sit there, you know, like that that are the beat writers have any clue. Not uh, yet. It's I'll, too early. You know, yeah. Yeah. I'll just say, hey, man, if he's as good as advertised and truly was a five star, then this shouldn't even be a debate. Yep. He hasn't separated himself. So to say that Brown doesn't have a shot, I think is 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 crazy. And um, I, I think it was 
uh, I forget, I think it was Doug who had a good point. Like, you know, as for as much shit as we give old, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, he said, I'm not going to name a quarterback, you know, uh, starter until the third game of the year last year. He did last year. He actually benched a quarterback that made the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, it turned out to be the right decision with J.J. McCarthy. I don't have any problem with both of those guys playing 50-50 of the snaps Wow. The first three games and then going into Notre Dame. No, I think no, it's you a, can't do that against Indiana. Yes, you can. You can totally do that. It's to, if you don't know, then you don't know. Mm-hmm. If he knows, then, then pick a guy. <laughs> if you don't if, know, if you have, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> Man, well, but I guess Biggie Smalls, Biggie Smalls ain't the coach of this team. So <laughs> right. you know, you can't simulate these things. It's all that they say. You can't simulate it in practice and blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, then you get three games to figure it out. Right? Okay. Yeah. What's like, the problem? I, with I think that? like I think we're like all like just spinning around and like we're in a quick sand sandbox right now because like Day knows that McCord is the fucking man and he knows that McCord is going to be lead us to a like um, a national championship run. He knows damn well that like Brown's not going to be starting over McCord. I, I I can I I would almost guarantee I would bet my left kidney which is probably about 80 grand on the black market i mean no, my, my liver's probably like 45 but like my kidney's 80 i'd be willing to bet that well okay he you're confident you know the court's going to take us down the field i i i have the utmost faith in ryan day i mean all the variables that you need for success are there right you've got uh, the recruiting profiles of both players these are top 50 players and in, in the case of mccord he's a five star you have the quarterback guru Ryan Day is still there, and you have a an embarrassment of riches of skill talent players around the quarterback. So yeah. I trust the situation. I don't know which player exactly is going to win it. I'm leaning McCord. You put a gun to my head, but I I trust the situation that they have at quarterback. But I guess I have a conventional view of quarterback, which is you want it settled in the off season and you want that guy to seize the job. And I, I don't like the idea of changing quarterbacks midstream page. You're comfortable with it. Harbaugh kind of, you know, showed us a proof of concept that you can actually have a quarterback competition, you know, linger into the regular season, but I'd prefer to have it settled before the regular season starts. All right, no, fellas. I'd like to say one more thing. Sure. Go ahead. I See can't, I, I really like it. Just, it, it does something to the insides of me that like, like Brown, like wearing number 33. That's, <laughs> That's true. Sorry. It is no. a little weird. He looks like a linebacker playing quarterback. He's wearing yeah, James Laurinaitis' no. number for fuck's sake. Yeah. That's what I was going to guess. It's Laurinaitis is in a QB, man. <laughs> but what if he turned out to be really, really good and he's wearing 33? Oh, I, that could I be kind of like, cool. I love it. That's like I Doug Flutie it. wearing no, number 22, right? Didn't Flutie wear like 22? He was, yeah. his number was in the twenties. <laughs> now, did you see that our true freshman quarterback, Lincoln Heinold, that uh, the USA Today um, Keenholz Player of the Year? He's an interesting prospect, Keenholz. Yeah, uh, I I love that guy's athleticism, and he seems like a dude for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's let's have a look at the offensive line real quick now. Ryan Day was interviewed yesterday, and he said they are experimenting with different combinations at offensive tackle. I, I think I think we can safely say that the interior of the offensive line is pretty locked down, right? Uh, I, I think they're 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 solid there. They have you know experienced guys they like on the interior. It's really a question of who's going to play on the on the outside. 
And Day said yesterday they are experimenting with different combinations at offensive tackle. Now, Josh Fryer, who many thought was a lock at left tackle, has actually been spending time at both tackle positions so far during camp. And yesterday, Ryan Day mentioned that uh, Jimmy Simmons, formerly known as Josh, the artist formerly known as Josh Simmons, now Jimmy Simmons, the SDSU transfer, he says they're really excited about Simmons. Um, Yeah. But the, he also mentioned Luke Montgomery, the true freshman, and Tegra Shabola yeah. as other candidates. So it seems like they're experimenting with a, a bunch of different combinations there. Seems like it's going to be a fluid situation. But are we concerned that a true freshman in Montgomery is already in the mix for a starting job? I don't know. PVH, what do you think of that? To me, that's kind of a red flag, unless we're talking about fucking Orlando Pace. Oh, I don't, I don't agree. Oh, it it totally is, right? (laughs) I mean, they've been whiffing on offensive linemen for years with stud. Right. Um, You know, like if like it's it's not like it's it's you know it's one of those positions where literally age, size, experience really matters. That's why guys you hardly ever see it, right? You hardly ever see it. Defensive line and offensive line, those freaks that are freshmen, right? Because by the way, they're coming in at like 17 and you're telling me there's a 17 year old that's better than a 21 year old that's been in the program. For that's four a red years. flag. That's a humongous red flag. Humongous. <laughs> yeah. But, but well, CP, you're, you're less concerned. I disagree. Like that they're saying like, like Montgomery and have you guys, like, have you actually watched his film? page no like he's like but stop you're not watching stop it whatever dude and and even if you're watching it you think you're watching breaking bad what do you know about breaking down well boy i'll tell you what dude i know like it doesn't matter like it's not a red flag the kid's a stud he's a baller so if he breaks the top six like as a true freshman fuck yeah that means he's a fucking legit ass motherfucker. That's well, what that, 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 All right. that very well could be true, but it's a gigantic red flag that we don't have two or three other guys on the depth chart that have been in the program for well, three or four years I, that have been in Mickey Mirati's program eating hot dogs and baked beans <laughs> and he's turning them into men. And then some kid comes in from Lakewood and he's better than all of them. <laughs> well, hey, dude, that happens, bro. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Not. No, it well, I mean, it really doesn't. Uh, doesn't. You know, <laughs> there is a reason why Ohio State went out to the transfer portal and brought in Vic Cutler and Jimmy Simmons, right? They they were, you know, they were a little light on the depth chart there. I tend to agree with you, Paige, that it is a red flag if if Montgomery is truly being considered for one of these spots. Now, the other possibility, and Bill Landis mentioned this, I think it was yesterday, that he might be trying to motivate one of the more veteran players by mentioning Montgomery is in the mix. So maybe what he's trying to do in the case of Jimmy Simmons, for example, is uh, you know get him to recognize the moment, the urgency of the moment. Like, hey, man, you've got to step up. Um, but I, I got no problem with Montgomery making the two deep. But I, I would be worried if, if it's a true freshman not named Orlando Pace or Paris Johnson Jr., you know, getting who, meaningful like, snaps. Who, on a, who's to say that he's not one of those? We you, I, well, play, you're right. So until we see him play, we can't say anything about a red yeah, flag. That's a good point. Because he could be a Paris Johnson or an Orlando Pace. Okay. All right. That's all, right. all I'm saying. Fair enough. Oh, well, listen, I, it's – it's too early to hit the panic button here. I mean, you know, we haven't even—they haven't even had a, an 11 on 11 scrimmage, which happens this week, and we're going to know a lot more, I think. Um, but this is an absolutely a huge position battle. I mean, a probably second only to quarterback. This is the most important position battle, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. They have to figure out who's going to be the other tackle opposite 
Josh Fryer. Now, Fryer, I think, is a lock at one of the two spots. It's, then it's just a matter of, you know, uh, Simmons, Shibola, or Montgomery locking down the other side. Paige, were you going to say something about the O-line? Yeah, I was going to say, and actually I was thinking about it, and it's kind of a question not to sabotage your uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. podcast here. But what do you think is that... What concerns you the most or what's the biggest X factor? Because we know we're going to be really good, right? But what puts Ohio State over the top to actually win a national championship? Yeah. Offensive line, the quarterback, or Jim Knowles? Mm. Jim Knowles, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. defense. Like The defense is the only thing that's kept us from winning a national championship. Like, I don't know. Without question, we it's, could have won the national championship last year. Right, so you're Jim Knowles. Exactly. Yeah, same here. I mean, listen, I've been banging on Jim Knowles and the defense all off season. There's no way I could I could pick anything else. And I've just said that I tr- I have the ultimate trust in the quarterback situation. You know, given the assets that we have at, at at Ohio State, right? You have Ryan Day, the quarterback guru, the embarrassment of riches around the quarterback, and then you know the two guys vying for the job have the recruiting profiles, the talent to get it done. So I trust the situation with quarterback. I'm also very concerned about offensive line, but if you give, if I have to only pick one, I'm saying the defense is <laughs> is is the most important uh, of those three. What's your take on a PBH? Offensive line. I mean, I agree with you. They'll figure out the quarterback. I think the defense is stacked, right? Like the talent's there for so sure. Many, yeah, there's so many top flight players on that defense. Like, yes, oh. and and if like if they're bad, if they if it costs them a game within the first six, I would I then I'm on your camp. Then get rid of the guy, right? Like there's right. there's something fundamentally wrong here. No more excuses right. for the defense. Um, offensive line, man, that's what makes the team go, right? It's what makes Trey Trey run through those holes. Chad's BFF. Oh, dude. Like, you know, don't even so, get me started about Trey Trey. He's going to be an All-American this year. We're glossing over the fact that we lost three starters and we're thinking about starting as a true freshman, yeah. right? When those guys start coming through the line, it doesn't matter if it's they're just no, They're not talking about starting. They're just talking about him being in the, the top six rotation. Yeah, but if I'm you worried about our, the like, offensive line. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's it's too early, too early to hit the panic button. Still a long way to go in fall camp. I think it'll definitely be a fluid situation, at least for a couple of weeks, at offensive tackle. Uh, but I see your point, PBH. Listen, it is absolutely important. I, I was only able to pick one. Uh, the defense loss cost us a national championship last year. I'm clearly on record uh, about that. But uh, to, you know, you make a good point. Multiple the, times. The uh, yeah, and then some. I you do make a good knows. point. I mean, the talent is there defensively and uh but but uh, there are a lot of questions at, at offensive line i don't think they're working with the, the wealth of talent that they are on defense well speaking of defense um let's have a look at the ohio state secondary and what we're hearing out of fall camp there now i was thrilled to hear that safeties jihad carter and sonny styles are running with the first team defense and if yeah. you listen to this podcast you guys well know sonny styles baby i i was really concerned about the fact that Josh Proctor and Cam Martinez were running with the ones after the spring. You know, I've very well documented my concerns about those two players playing major roles in the secondary, but it appears, at least for now, Eliano and Knowles have seen the light, Styles and Carter as the starters, along with Lathan Ransom. Uh, interestingly, they're going to try and use Styles at cover safety, so that slot corner role. Carter's going to be the deep safety, so, you know, where Jordan Fuller had played, and they're going to keep... Uh, Lathan Ransom near the line of scrimmage playing that bandit role, the strong safety role that he played last year. Um, 
But I like what I'm hearing about safety. PVH, your thoughts about safety. All you hear is sunny style, sunny style, sunny styles. Yeah. That's it, right? Like that, oh, I mean, it's boy. like a broken record. That guy better be good. I hope he's good. It's a stud. Yeah, no, I know. He's he's going to be a stud. A lot of buzz. Um, a lot of buzz. Yeah. Around him. This... And you mentioned Jordan Fuller. Like how many, uh, how many mistakes did that guy cover up? You know, for the eraser, defense, yeah, the eraser for years and years and years. Yep. Um, so yeah, they're going to be hopefully much improved. You know, I mean, it sounds like they got three, you know, very capable corners and three very capable safeties. I agree. Have them on the field, right? Play yep. your best players along with CJ Hooks, Hicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you're all the buzz is around Sonny Styles, and by the way, isn't he like? 18 like it's astonishing it's like, astonishing yeah. yeah they said his little brother's young, looking good that too talented. yeah lorenzo is actually his older brother he's the one that yeah, transferred from notre dame he's dame. converting from from wide receiver to to a cornerback which they say is his more natural position cp any That's thoughts the backfield our room is like it's, it's deep yeah i i agree so you, you're feeling good about safety as well i'm actually really confident you know, hearing the news yeah. that Carter and Styles have been elevated to the to the first team. Yeah, I'm 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 excited about like I was I'm a nose I'm a nose supporter. Like I'm I said I'd give him two years. Okay. Yeah, was there was some bad bad obviously coverages and some decisions made, but I I think he's going to redeem himself this year. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say about. Well, yeah, I think the talent just might the, the the talent might just be too big for him to fail uh, this season. Yeah, um, yeah. Hey, might be coach, I can do that. Just put me in there. <laughs> it's like, what are we again? I, you know what? He, actually, give him a raise to three million. He deserves <laughs> it because if the talent is so good, right. just give him a raise, right? Him and Mickey and all the other clowns that they have on that coaching staff. Oh, yeah, man. well, we can get into this in a second, but uh, you know, <laughs> there are real concerns about the the construction of, of the uh, of the defensive coaching staff, right? I mean, you know, you've kind of hamstrung yourself with only four defensive coaches, and you know, you're you're giving a full time uh, coaching position to a fucking bozo um, special teams coach. Anyway, before we get to that, though, I heard the like I heard the the guy the, the defense is really like. Um, starting to uh, respect and he's like really gelling is Walton. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's, let's go to the corners Uh, and Paige, you mentioned this uh, earlier. Look, they, they feel really good about the three top guys that they have in that room. And I'm talking about Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock and the transfer Davis and Nick Benoson. We'll see how they look when the bullets start flying, but I think they've achieved exactly what they were hoping to when they went into the portal and they brought in Igbenosin. He's really helped elevate the play in that room, and of course, you know, having all these dudes healthy for once, for fuck's sake. Yeah, right. I mean, injuries absolutely killed that room last year. PBH, I'm going to kick this back to you. Any thoughts on cornerback? I think they're all good. Let's see what they can do on the field. I mean, we're all it's it's all hypothetical at this point, right? Right. Um, There's no excuse. There's no excuse that's not a top 10 defense. It's no excuse that it's not a top five defense. Agreed. Top six, right? Across the board. Agreed. Right? And if something is amiss and it doesn't happen again, then th- th- then there's a bigger problem at play. There's, there's, there's no way with the amount of talent in that backfield and the guys that transfer in, transfer out, right, that you're not fielding at a high state of top six 
secondary defense, whatever the case may be. Yeah, otherwise we're talking about structural systemic issues, and I really hope we don't have to go there. How about you, CP? What are your thoughts on this cornerback room? These guys are looking pretty damn good, I have to I have to say. Dude, I like I like it, man. Like Brown, like Burke, I mean Hancock. There's just like I feel like the um you know, like you mentioned the top three out of the room. Like I keep them healthy. Yeah. Like that's it's huge. I feel like but I feel I feel good about the guys that are like in the wings, you know, ready, like on the sideline. Like, so I, I, you know, I haven't felt that fuzzy in a while. I mean, I'm with you. I think the cornerback could be a strength for this defense for the first time since 2019. I don't think that's hyperbole. I mean, I, I I do think they could be about that good. I, I don't know if there's a Jeff Okuda in this group, but um, I think, you know, short of that, it's still going to be a really, really good uh, room, I think, for Ohio I think, State this year. I think Paige like, made a, a good point earlier about, you know, just like there is a ridiculous amount of talent on that defense. It really um, is. And but, you know, I'm like, I, I feel like Knowles, like he had a real like deep deep you know every morning brushing his teeth is like yeah i I really fucked this up (laughs) i think he got in a little fucking deep real quick you know what i mean yep and but so i I think he took this like off season after that loss to georgia just and and obviously michigan you know the other atrocious like plays that we gave up throughout the season but i think he's gonna be good and like i mean when you do have that kind of talent and and I think he, I mean, he has a, a, you can't argue the fact that he doesn't have it like a good defensive mind. You know what I mean? Like I, his schemes are good. I think he like, he needed to adjust with Ohio state instead of just coming in and like, you know, what worked at Oklahoma state, like whatever. But I think it's going to be good. I mean, they're saying, um, Tumalo is just like, like way beyond Thunderdome. He's even bigger beast than he was last year. They said Sawyer is going to be like back into his natural, like, you know, position this year not like looking lost out there because the guy like the get killed is a five-star you know defensive player and like he like he hasn't like played up to his potential and i feel like half of that was like you know the defense last yeah year. i mean I, I don't know but yeah. like so I, I there's so much talent on that defense you will smith i mean you could just go on and on yeah it's well, just exciting so hopefully it gets coached up you know and it, it all gels together this year. I hope so. I hope so. I, I want to be able to feel the def, the defense a little bit more than we did last year, and and I want I expect more than just getting off the field, you know, on third right. down. Although I'd like when to see them really be better than that. But so you know, I I, I looked through a, just a couple podcasts ago, but I actually looked th- through Ohio State's defensive production since 2012 during the Meyer and Day eras, and last mm-hmm. year's defense uh, turned in the fewest number of takeaways. During the Meyer and Day eras, only 18 takeaways, only 34 sacks. That was like the third lowest total since 2012 in the Meyer and Day eras. It was not a very impactful defense. And I actually think that, you know, these, my shorthand for these types of plays is splash plays, sacks, tackles for loss, and takeaways. And they were not very impactful in those areas. I want to see a defense that's attacking, creating explosive splash plays. I want to see more takeaways. I want to see them getting after the quarterback. I want to hear about goddamn quarterback pressures. Bring the fucking guy down. And, you know, Tui Molo, right. he's, he's, he's now, still... You know Z's serious when he's dropping the F-bomb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, 
I, yeah, and, and we saw flashes from Tui Molo. Well, I want to see consistency. And Jack Sawyer hasn't, quite frankly, hasn't done shit yet. I mean, he's got the great recruiting profile. He looks great in the uniform, but, you know, I want to see, I want to see Mike Hall play 12 games. I want to see 40, 45 snaps out of him. Um, Mike this Hall, defense yes. needs to put it together. Um, I, I feel like we haven't seen something special from a Ohio State defensive line in a very long time. Certainly not since Chase Young, and he was a singular great talent. But I think you have to go all the way back to 2017 since we had a really special defensive line. So that's the benchmark I'm setting for the defensive line this year. Show me the same kind of production we saw in 2017. That, and that means they're going to have to produce about 10, 11 more sacks, uh, an extra 25 tackles for loss, an extra seven or eight takeaways. That's the standard I'm setting for this defense, and it starts with the defensive line. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of talking about the potential. I, I want to see the production. The production needs to match the hype this year. I feel really strongly about that, as you can tell. PVH. I would just love for us to get through that first game and like the following week after Bloomington, the pod, and we're like, all right. I, like, you know, it's just the first game, guys, but like that defense, they, they, they looked like they were a unit. That's yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I want to see them do it when it really matters. That That's well, what I, I want to see because they look saying, great like, for nine games last year. Like shit, and then all of a sudden, like, you know. Yeah, they, look, they look like world beaters for nine games last year. And then when they started playing offenses with a pulse, they look like shit. So I want to they're actually going to face much better offenses this year. They're going to see much better quarterback play. I think they have a tougher schedule this year. So there'll be opportunities earlier in the schedule to really show, you know, significant improvement. But right. I think do they, it when it counts. I, my what I was trying to say is that, like, I want them to come out like, like as a unit that looks like they are ready to ball out into like the twenty three season. Me too. No, well, like, so what does know, that look like when you say ready to ball out? Like, what 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 benchmarks that means, are like, you setting? We're going in like you know like no like like you know just big plays giving up like you know we're infamous like no like you know first first series of the uh, game in Bloomington like they we give up a 45 50 yard pass or like their running back just chews up turf like i mean we've got the the unit to to not let that happen and i just want it to happen like 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 you said earlier like i mean it's been a I'm just so tired of every season. It's the same shit with the defense, man. Even before Knowles, it was just like, yeah. oh my god, what what is going on here? Yeah, you know during I mean? the Ryan Day just, era, it's he's had one good one good defensive season, and that was 2019. Uh, I agree with you. I, I'm setting the bar a little higher than that, though. I mean, not giving up 75 yard touchdowns is a pretty low bar. Um, I, I want a defense that is attacking, producing uh, turnovers, oh, right. and, and, and I want and that to happen loss, like, sort of I, on September 2nd. Like, yep. you know, there's no pass. There's no pass until, like, we get to the Big Ten, whatever. No, like, I want to dominate this defense right out of the gate. Yep. Like, like those motherfuckers are, like, ballers. <laughs> like, I agree. Quarterback that. pressure, like, sacks, like, you know, knockdown passes, like, you know, interceptions, turnovers, like, takeaways. Like, I want that, like, out of yeah. the gate. Right out of the beginning. Well, I mean, I think in the modern era with that's dominated by offense, I think that's the type of defense that you have to have. Uh, you, the, the, the reality is you're going to give up points and yards. So, you, you know, long gone are the days of winning games, you know, 13 to 7 and 10 to 6 like they did back in 2002, right? So your defense right. is going to give up plays. They're going to give up yards and points. But it has to be able to produce big plays of their own to counter the, the offense. And there just wasn't enough of that last year. So uh, I think I've made my point here. I'm kind of beating that dead horse. PVH, I want to kick this back no, to you. like I get a D. Like you're very – like the defense <laughs> is like, you know, very sensitive. I mean, it's sensitive for all of us. But like I think you take it to another – which which I 
love. Like, <laughs> we all was like as big of fans as we are. Like it, it we, we just need a defense, man. Like you know what I mean? Like just like damn. You're singing to the choir, my friend. Yes, absolutely. Oh. PBH, any other thoughts about Ohio, the Ohio State defense before we move on? No, just last thing I would say is I, I want to see a lockdown corner. Yeah. Right. Because I I think when you have a lockdown corner, you can do so much as a coordinator, right? Like I don't have to worry about that guy or that, you know, unless you're, you know, roaming somebody else, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And and then it opens it up and we haven't had that since Cuda. And I think, you know, that makes it a gigantic difference. Now you could make the argument that Chase Young made Akuda uh, better, but if you had like Burke or Hancock or the guy from the name, Right. If, give me a lockdown corner and then, you know, the opportunities are endless. There's so many playmakers on that defense. Yep. Um, but again, it's all hyperbole. It's all I want to see it on the field. Right. No more excuses. No more mistakes. Yeah. Um, it's time. Yeah. It's you totally can take time. a lot right. more risks when you have guys that can lock up receivers and coverage. Right. Even just that extra splits, that extra second of coverage will allow your your defensive ends to get home and your in your yep. defensive front to get home you can take a lot more risk you can be a lot more creative when you have those that dominant that is cover a good corners point right there zach it's like the schemes that knows like you know like pressuring like you know quarterback and like blitzing this and that like if you do have to page point as well like the lockdown corner that you have confidence in then you can do that kind of shit i mean yeah like, yeah, I, I, I agree. So I, I'm expecting big things. I'm very optimistic that we're going to see a, a, another a huge jump for, for the defense. I just think that the, the, the talent is too big to fail. And look, I give Ohio State credit for going into the portal and getting some dudes that are, yeah. you know, we're, we're already hearing about them in fall camp. Jihad Carter, Davis and Nick Benoson. Taiwan Malone is a guy, the defensive tackle, also Taiwan an Ole Miss travel. Is, he's a transfer from Ole Miss, is also turning heads. They've gone out and got impactful players uh, to, to supplement the, the talent that was already there. So I give them a ton of credit for that. And, um, you know, you, you did, also... Did, didn't the kid from... What's, how do you say his, his last name from Mississippi? Igbenosan, the corner? Igbenosa and said... The, did I read today that he's, you know, going up against Marvin in practice? Yeah, and said like he's holding 50, his own. 50? Yeah. <laughs> hey. well, okay, I, all right. You're talking some smack on the boy. Oh, now, whether or not no. it's actually true, you got to love you gotta love the, the, the style, right? As a corner, you have to have the supreme confidence in yourself, even well, if maybe so, it's not. That's my point. Yeah. Bro. I'm kind yeah. of like, all right, bro, that's, that's, that's some heady talk, man. Let's yeah. see that on the field, baby. Because yeah. if you can lock down Marvin 50% of the time, then... Hell yeah, I'm all for it, but okay, I want to see it. I think the secondary is going to be very good. We feel very good about linebacker, right? With with Eichenberg and Chambers and a little sprinkling of of, of Cody Simon and and the young the young five star CJ Hicks, we feel very good about what they have up front on the defensive line. I mean Jim Knowles, like you got no excuses, man. Year two, these guys know your scheme, and I, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Believe me, I I, I want to stop giving Jim Knowles a hard time. Believe me, if he can shut me up, I'd, I'd be yeah. very happy about that. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, like I think CJ, I think Steel Chambers will like start out, but like I don't think like he'll be playing much in like the second half of the year. I mean, um, don't get yeah. like, don't get me wrong. I give all respect to Steel Chambers. You know, he's a good like, but there, there's no way that you're going to be able to keep CJ Hicks off the field. No way. 
One area where I give I will give Jim Knowles a lot of credit. The line he is the the coach of the linebackers, and they they played very very well. I mean Eichenberg, I think he got every bit of potential and production out of Eichenberg and Chambers last year, and and I trust what he's doing in the linebacker room. And don't don't sleep on Cody Simon either. He I they they've been singing his praises too. A lot of buzz around Cody Simon, so I feel really good about what they have there on, on defense. Um, so a lot, Reed a lot of reason for optimism. Like he's like young. There's like, there's a lot of like linebackers that are going to like be in like yeah. taking us back to like linebacker before yeah. we started getting running backs converted to linebacker. Future is definitely bright. So, all right, I want to circle you, back you to something Zach real quick. You, you talking about Zach? <laughs> Gabe Powers. I mean, Mitchell Melton, dude. I think there's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, the future's bright. I, those guys probably aren't going to see much playing time this year. There's a little too much depth, but certainly the future, uh, the, you know, there are opportunities there for those kids. Hey, I want to circle back to something real quick. So, Paige, last time you and I talked on this pod, we gave our regular season, uh, you know, uh, prediction for Ohio State, their regular season record uh, projections for Ohio State. You had them going 10-2. and two. I have them going 11-1. and one. Do you still see 10-2 and two for this team based on what we've talked about today? It's a rough schedule, man. Yeah, that back to back with Penn State and Wisconsin and Michigan's going to be a motherfucker on the road. I agree. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll say I, I'd like to hedge it, but I'm not going to. Um, but I'll stick with ten and two, and they'll still make the playoffs somehow. Ten somewhere. and two, but it sounds like maybe you're you're teetering toward eleven and one, but you're going to stay at ten and two right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, again, I think I think we're you know we're, we get you know we get caught up in all this. Like, there's three very very big uh, question marks of this team coming into the season. We glossed yeah. over at the fact that we're high state and we have a ton of talent, but we're yeah. starting a new quarterback. We're not quite sure who that's going to be. Right. We're replacing three starters on the offensive line. And we have a off defensive coordinator that one person on this podcast thinks should have been fired. <laughs> so, Guilty okay, as I'm charged. Saying, and, yeah. and we've got a very hard schedule. So <laughs> 11 and one is a pretty rosy, you know, uh, way to look at it, if, okay. in my if, opinion. So, I, I, I'm not going to argue with any of that. I mean, you've made a sound argument for uh, 10 and 2. How about you, CP? What is your regular season prediction for Ohio State? Regular season. I will be disappointed if we're not 11 and 1. Um, but, in the regular you know, season. If we happen to go 10 and 2, I think we still get in the playoff. I mean, this team has got enough talent this year. I mean, we did last year, but like, we got way, like, I think not maybe way more, but like, extensively more talent on both sides of the ball to win a national championship this year. So your so, your regular season record prediction for Ohio State is what? I think, like, you know me, like, I I, I don't think we're going to lose a game, but, like, I'm going to say, like, <laughs> I think we're going to go undefeated, honestly. Okay. I, really Tw- I love it. All right. 12-0. Um, and 0. I, I love it. I mean, I can, that's also very possible. That's the funny thing. Uh, I think you can make a, a compelling argument for anything between 10-2 and 12-0. and 0. Um, I, you can talk me into any three of those. Um, you know one game is like, like I'm more concerned about probably than any other game is the night game in Wisconsin with, yep. uh, look up there coaching, look. man. I, 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 cause that's always like a, you know, I've been to that place a couple of, like I was there when prior we were number one in the country. Oh, yeah, 2010. The worst days ever. Yeah. Like that's so, I mean, that, that game kind of like scares me, but like we're way, way beyond that. And that's I mean, after I could, Penn State. That's after Penn State. Yeah. 
So that's what Penn I'm saying. State. That schedule's at least we got Penn East. State at home, right? We do, but then yeah. we got to turn right around and play, you know, Wisconsin on the road. That's that's tough. I mean, that that part of the schedule, I'm I'm worried about. At PBH, I know you are as well. The worst. It's a three thirty game though with Penn State, right? It is, but the, yeah, the fact but the that point you, is that you're coming on. Well, no, I know it's back to back, to like you know, like games and, and that by the way, have historical. It's Halloween. Halloween in in Madison. Which, that place like, is gonna. In Madison, oh my god, that is a game, dude. (laughs) That place is fantastic. Oh my god, dude, we got to talk about going to that game. That's cool. (laughs) All right, fellas. So the new, uh, uh, well, the the very first preseason coaches poll came out, and I'm just going to go off the top four. Naturally, Georgia's number one, Michigan's number two, uh, Alabama number three, Ohio State number four. Does that sound about right to you, PVH? I, w- I wish they would do it and just say, your schedules are so bad that <laughs> Georgia, you're nine, and Michigan, you're 10. Right. And you're going to have to work your way up to one and two. Well, that's what the college football playoff yeah, of rankings point. will do, ultimately. But I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you know. Well, it's, it's ridiculous how bad their schedules are. Yeah, we know they're good, right? But I'm just trying to make a point, you know? like Right. It, it, it's... You know, are you going to know if Michigan's really that great? I, I, you know, I mean, yeah, they, I guess they have, you know, all the players and, and, and whatnot. They, they don't play, they play us in Penn State. That is it. Yep. Like that, that's ludicrous. And Georgia's even worse. So, but yeah, like we know they're good. We know they're good, but it should be a merit system, right? Like they shouldn't even, this was Doug's idea six years ago. Like don't rank anybody until you've seen them play five games. Which is what the college football playoff committee does, basically. I think it's even more than five games. So thank, it, thankfully it, for it that. Does. It does. But yeah. we're talking, you're asking me about the top four teams today. So I'm giving you my opinion today. Yep. We're not talking about what it's going to be in, you know, December. Right. That's true. But, but, but let me ask you, you're like, all right. So, yes, Michigan beat us last year. Okay. But they pulled their typical same bullshit in the playoff. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so we have... I mean, they had the dual-headed snake at, at running back, yeah, whatever. But like, we have more talent than we did last year, and but yet they're the two. I mean, I don't like, I don't give two fucks about the, the preseason rankings, college cold. Like, I don't care anything about that really. Mm. But I just don't like. How do you put Michigan at two and us at four? I, I don't. I, I, how do you not? I mean, they they me. they beat us by three touchdowns last year in the shoe. They got a bunch of guys coming back. They're pretty much all the important players are coming back for them. I got no problem with that. And let Michigan get oh, all think- of their due respect from every corner of the college football universe. Let that hype train roll. Um, I, I actually think this might be good for Ohio State for once not to have the you know the burden of, of preseason expectations on them, and somebody else can carry that mantle. So I got no problem with them coming in at number two. But it's interesting, though, not that, the, again, the coaches poll between the coaches and the APA, it's, it's the one that has the, le- the least amount of credibility. But Georgia got 61 first place votes. Michigan did not get a first place vote. Alabama got four and Ohio State got one. Um, and I think if you look at the Vegas odds, though I don't have them here in front of me, I oh, believe Ohio State has better odds to win a national championship than Michigan. Do they not? Oh, yeah. We're second best on the board. We are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So We're second best on the board. I think it's going to be great. This is exactly how we want it, right? Michigan's loaded, we're loaded, you know, it's going to It's going to be a winner take all for the for the, you know, third year in a row. And go ahead and give them their respect. They earned it. Um but but I I think, you know, yeah, well, look, like, you want to put Ohio State 3 or 4 any- 
You what know, has I'm, Harbaugh done in any bowl game that he's? It's been a good point. Like, he's done a. Gotten, yeah, he's done. They suck. He's done a six-game yeah, losing streak. They, they, and, yeah, yeah. They, they also beat us two years in a row. But right. You can't cross All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> fifteen and eighteen, dude. They've won the last two. We were right. fifteen and eighteen. And, and, and to your point, and, and the other side of that coin, you're right. Like we gave Georgia. We, Everything they could handle in oh. so many ways should have won, that, won game. that game. I mean, should have, you know? I know, I hate saying but that. Then, word, but then you but can make the argument, won. but then again, look at it from the other side of the coin. Then how the fuck did we ever lose to Michigan? Right. Yeah. We I, lost I to them. You yeah. know? Well, the so. the thing that's even more confounding to me about what happened with Michigan, and I did a whole podcast on this, by the way, if you guys care to listen, it was a couple weeks well, ago. Really but my theory, my theory about how Ohio State lost the 2022 game was very different, very different fashion how they lost 2021. But most people will tell you that Georgia is a supersized version of Michigan. They do everything that Michigan does, but with better players. So, um, you know, and there's this myth out there, this misconception that Ohio State can't hang in the trenches with Michigan. Uh, and if that's true, then how do you explain the peach ball? Because Ohio State was very right, much uh, Georgia's equal and they were doing it against better athletes than, than what Michigan was executing with. I think that I wanted to like then get the opportunity to applaud you on that. Like that, that is a very, very like legit five-star point. Like that, I mean, <laughs> they are like, it's almost like, the, you know, a, Supersized Michigan. Yeah, and I mean, we beat them on both sides of the field. You, you go into the fourth quarter with a two touchdown lead in a, in a playoff semifinal, you should expect to win, but you know, we don't have to relitigate that. All right, yeah. hey, fellas, did you want to hit anything about recruiting or we're well over an hour now, or do we want to save that for another I'll day? Think, you know, well, like I was going to go down the recruiting thing, but we've already been on here like, you know, close to an hour. Um, I just want to let everybody know, like the, the Ohio State fans out there, that like just and, and Paige being one of the, the little bitches, um, <laughs> and I mean that like you know in affectionately, the best loving way, Paige. But the, everybody, like, I, I wanted to go down the list, and like, I'm going to say that for like next week, or if we do a pod next week with re- the recruiting, our recruiting like is fucking really good, and we can't get every player. Like we just won't. We lost like Lightfoot to Miami, okay? Like we lost, you know. They they, they gave a big bag of cash, you know what I mean? Like that, but but we we are our we're, we're the number two class in the country. That's right, overall like rank and composite rank. Number one class. Yep. You know what I mean? Like and like we have a five. There was a lot the fours and five stars all over that defense, and twenty mm-hmm. fours already looking like we're we're good. We're not gonna get every fucking five star blue chip kid, man. It just yep. this is the way it is. And yeah. people just don't realize that, and they don't think about that. Like, I mean, we're not gonna like. You go down the list. If I went down the list right now, you, I'd like to tell like the defensive backs, the two linebackers. We get that kid out of Texas. We get like a five-star quarterback. Like, I mean, it's everybody needs to breathe. Yeah, no, they're they're you know they're in good shape. Number two in yeah. the twenty-four-seven uh, um, overall ranking, and also in the composite rank, they're they're in pretty good shape. But you know, uh, I, I don't disagree with Jeremy Birmingham, who was talking about Ohio State's recruiting strategy. That maybe Ohio State is a little too committed to big game hunting for the absolute you know creme de la creme of kids that are out of state. 
And when you do so much big game hunting and you put your, all your eggs in those baskets and you don't really have a backup plan, that's part of the problem with the recruiting strategy. And Birmingham made a really interesting point. He said, you know, you go back and look at that 2014 defense. It was a sprinkling of five-star out-of-state guys, the Vaughn Bells, um, you know, Joey Bosa's and that sort of thing. But then it was actually quite a lot of local in-state guys, three-star and four-star guys. So it was a really nice balance. And I think Birmingham is saying, hey, why not aim for that? You, you align yourself with the top five-star, you know, out-of-state kids that, you know, meet the character requirements and are kind of on board with, you know, how you play. They're going to have a role with how you play. And then maybe you back off some of these other five-star kids. You'll know who those are and focus more on the regional talent in the area and the diamonds in the rough in Ohio, which I thought that was a very interesting point by Birmingham, who knows a whole hell of a lot more about recruiting than I do. All right, boys. Hey, listen, I got to bounce. I'm starving. Um, it was great, great to be with you guys. We will connect sometime in the coming weeks to talk a little bit more about fall camp. All right, boys. Have a great night. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.